The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Learn who rules over you simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH. I'm Andy, your host today. This Thursday, so it's time for a weekly visit of our dear friend Dr. Peter Hammond. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am indeed. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Now, where would you like to start us off today? Today's Remembrance Day. I mean, we remember the 11th of the 11th. Um, it's been Remembrance Day since 1918, and it's important because after the worst war in human history, the First World War, the Great War, they didn't know there'd be a second afterwards, uh, which ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, 1918. It's been a Remembrance Day uh, ever since, and we in Cape Town have a lovely tradition to remember the, the fallen and to give thanks for those who, who survived uh, and that is the noonday gun. So throughout the First World War in Cape Town, we had a noonday gun, a cannon on Signal Hill, which uh, overlooks a Table Bay Harbour. And it's been a, a it's one of the oldest of the um, front-loading, muzzle-loading uh, cannon uh, in, in the world that's still in operation. It's been in operation over 200 years. Uh, South Africa Navy runs it. And uh, they fire this off at, at 12 noon. And during the war, uh, it was a call to prayer. Everybody would stop where they were. Uh, if they were at their desk at work, they'd stand silently by the desk for the next three minutes. So during the war, it was the three-minute silence. Every vehicle would stop. People would stand still on the road. And this is a Cape Town uh, commemoration. And so they'd, they'd, they'd pray um, for a minute. They'd remember those who'd fallen. Uh, then they would, for a minute, be to... Uh, thank God for those who had survived, and then they would pray for those who had been left behind, family members who had, who had lost loved ones. And after the war, this was turned to two minutes um, because the war was over, and so they were, they were focusing on remembering those who had fallen and thanking God for those who had survived. And um, there was, this, in fact, uh, was then taken on by the whole empire uh, because the man who wrote Jock of the Bushveld, interestingly enough, uh, he wrote to the king and uh, and said to King George V uh, what was being done in Cape Town and suggested that perhaps this could be done empire-wide as they approached 1919 on the first anniversary of the end of the First World War. So uh, this was actually done by order of, of King George V, who was emperor 
of the British Empire at that stage. He he called us and uh, they did it actually at 11 o'clock on the 11th day of the 11th month in 1919. Uh, but Cape Town stuck to the 12 noon and we still have the noonday gun, although I think most in Cape Town don't know that it actually is a call to prayer even at this moment. And it's certainly important for us to remember those who've died in the different wars. I've been to Ypres and done many battlefield tours there, and I've seen, uh, personally, 65 etchings of Hammonds on the walls of the different memorials, like Men and Gate. And when I went to the Commonwealth uh, War Graves Commission officers, uh, I was informed that on their computers, 480 Hammonds died in the First World War, uh, fighting for the uh, British cause. So... Uh, that's quite sobering when you think just how many have died in your, your family uh, for these sorts of things. And to go down the road to Waterloo and, and recall it, that we had something like eight Hammonds uh, die in that Battle of Waterloo as well. Uh, our family and many others have, of course, got a long history of, of male members of families being in, in armed services and, and, and fighting in these different key wars. So it's right for us to have a day of remembrance, and it's it's right to remember uh, the issues involved and the sacrifices made by soldiers in these colossal conflicts. But of course, we don't want to get co-opted by politicians to support their uh, various, um, well, what kind of wars can we talk, banksters' wars uh, or uh, wars for oil or no-win wars. And uh, um, as Donald Trump, when his candidate in 2016 said, useless foreign wars, which is a very good term, many of them are useless. And I praise God that I was involved in a worthwhile war. Uh, in 1980s, uh, we were fighting on the border of Southwest Africa and Angola. The South African Defense Force was resisting the Southward expansion of communism. It was a hot part of the Cold War. And we were fighting against communist terrorism. We were fighting against vicious uh, terrorism by Swapo terrorists who were planting landmines and roads, endangering civilians. Uh, killing school children on the way to schools with landmines blowing up school buses and farmers on the way to farms on these dirt roads with landmine on the road blowing up trucks and and kidnapping uh, school children. Whole schools uh, were, were round up and taken across the border to be trained to be terrorists. And, and we fought against that. And that was, of course, a just war. It was a, a, a defensive war. It was a war to protect our people and those we were responsible for, for uh, from communist aggression from Soviet uh, totalitarianism that was going downwards and aiming at South Africa, the mineral rich and the strategic uh, maritime sea routes around the Cape. So plainly, uh, there are wars that are necessary. Uh, I don't want to use the word good. We've just had a whole series on the bad war, uh, pointing out that what people called the good war was not good at all, not in the way it was carried out and not in uh, its goals or its results. And it was the bad war. But there have been just wars. There have been wars that are defensive. And uh, I can think of times where there's no doubt whatsoever that these were, were wars that good came out of it. But we should also be thinking at this time, on this Remembrance Day, not just being inspired by courage and sacrifice of people of long ago and by relatives of ours who may have paid the supreme sacrifice, but we should be thinking about the war going on right now. It's a war against faith and freedom. It's a war against life and liberty. It is a war against Christian civilization. We are seeing the woke crowd willing to go broke for woke, 
Uh, we are seeing the cancel culture crowd trying to destroy monuments and history and rewrite history. We're seeing the Black Lives Matter or the Burn, Loot, Murder um, or Baal, uh, Lucifer and Moloch crowd going berserk and burning, destroying, looting and trying to destroy rich Christian heritage and taking down monuments to exemplary Christian heroes such as General Robert E. Lee out of Richmond, for goodness sakes, magnificent monument I've passed by many a time. And to think of of the destructiveness of those of the New World Order, or as we call it, the New World Disorder, the powers that should not be crowd, who are seeking to replace Christian civilization, Western Christian civilization, with what is nothing other than paganism, uh, with a, a diabolical situation, which actually looks far more like... Um, I would say far more like what Revelation 13 warns us about, where the beast seeks to set up a system of one world government, one world economic system, and a one world uh, religious interfaith system. And so this is what we're facing. And today, on Remembrance Day, as we remember great sacrifices made before for causes both great and not so great, we should think about the war that's going on right now. And there are people involved in this war. And some of them are just normal people on the ground seeking to protest in the streets for basic bodily integrity and uh, freedom of conscience, freedom of thought, freedom of worship, freedom of association, freedom of movement. And you think of the people like Dictator Dan uh, of Victoria State in Australia, uh, Prison Island, as some people describe it, where he's saying that if you don't get the jab, if you don't get the Fauci ouchie, if you will not submit yourself to this dangerous, toxic, experimental injection, uh, then your rights will be taken away from you and you won't have any freedoms and you won't be able to study or buy or sell or uh, uh, travel and, and so on and so forth. And so uh, it's so important that we resist these things because never has faith and freedom been under such risk and that you can get to the point now where they're literally talking about, uh, in my country as well as in America, uh, forcing children in schools to have this so-called vaccine without the parents' approval, and in some cases, without the parents' knowledge. How can an under 18-year-old give their consent for these things? How can primary school children give informed consent on matters that are so complex that it has confused even professors and universities? This is unprecedented. In schools, you've had it before that they could not even give a Panado headache tablet to the child without the parents' permission. And now somehow they can put some potentially dangerous toxic substance which uh, has a history of blood clots and uh, could cause sterility, uh, barrenness and all sorts of things in children in the future. So we, we, we're facing real, real threat to life and liberty and faith and freedom. And therefore, it's so vital on Remembrance Day to remember those who are resisting the new world order, resisting the new world disorder, the powers that should not be, and who's standing up for faith and freedom. So I think it would be very helpful for us to, in our calendar, in our culture, uh, to acknowledge the facts of respecting our history. And that should include all of our history, not just uh, the war memorials, but the memorials to uh, those that are important in what has made our countries great. And these people have never built anything, who want to pull down everything. And those people have never contributed anything to civilization, who wanting to cancel the history and the culture of those who made magnificent sacrifices and achievements and, and laid foundations, solid foundations, which all of us benefit from to this day. And so it's, it's, it's uh, 
symbolic of the society that we're living in right now, that we've got the burn loot murder crowd trying to cancel culture, destroy history, destroy heritage, and try to force us to submit to uh, who knows what type of consequences with this so-called vaccination, this mark of the beast that we must all receive, otherwise we won't be able to buy or sell or travel or study and so on. So resistance, that's what we need. We need to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, our God, whom we serve, is able to save us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow before your idols, nor will we serve your gods. Greater is he who is in us than him who is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And it's vital that, that we are the kind of people who stand firm, who are steadfast, who resist, who, having done all, we stand. As, as Ephesians 6 says, this is a time for spiritual warfare. It's time for us to be alert and time for us to be uh, opposing what is going on uh, in this new world order, because let's face it, we are we're facing such colossal uh, threats to our faith and freedom uh, that it's pointless to be remembering some previous wars as though they were actually uh, good things that won us faith and freedom. When so in many ways our situation today is worse than it was before, we have less freedoms today than we had before the Second World War. We have less. Uh, religious uh, strength in our societies than we'd had before the First World War. In many ways, the 20th century has been a deterioration on so many different levels that it's time to add to Remembrance Day, remembrance of those who are standing firm. Do you know that more Christians have died for the faith in the 20th century than in all previous 19th centuries combined? So in 19th centuries, from the first century of Roman persecution under Nero, all the way through the Inquisition and uh, horrible persecutions through the years, through the Mohammedans and others, and yet uh, in the first 19th century of the church, we are told by missiologist, statistician Patrick Johnson of Operation World, that 28 million Christians were killed for their faith from the first century through to the 19th. But he tells us that in the 20th century, we have had over 42 million Christians killed for their faith. Most of that in the Soviet Union, Red China, in communist countries behind the Iron Curtain. And many of them as a direct result of the Second World War policy of the Allies in seeking to save the Bolshevik regime of Stalin with uh, Lend-Lease, uh, with all of our Western technology. So when we look at this kind of uh, resistance uh, that, that we need, uh, we need to be saying, you know, the real heroes in our lifetime are those who are saying no to the masquerade madness, no to the lockdown lunacy, no to the salvation by vaccination COVID cult, no to the Fauci ouchie, saying no to totalitarian centralized governments and saying yes to God and to freedom and to faith and to life and liberty and to the family and the future. And so right now about the most, uh, uh, highest form of rebellion that you could have in this society is to be straight and to be Christian and to be conservative and to uh, be married and to raise the next generation in the love and the fear of the Lord, to home educate, uh, to disconnect from the state indoctrination gulag, to disconnect from the state uh, propaganda, um, so-called news media, and all the rest of it, and to be free-thinking people who are anchored in the word of God, who are built on the rock of God's word. And I think this is the highest form of resistance today, recognizing there's only two genders, that marriage can only be between one man and one woman, and recognizing that governments do not have any right or authority to mandate either the education our children receive or the medical procedures that they receive. 
And these are the proper domain of the parents. Nobody cares and loves for their children more than parents. And the state must try and concentrate on dealing with crime. If they could just deal with crime and, and national defense, we would be very happy. And I must stop trying to do the work of everyone else, including our own conscience. Our conscience has kept the word of God, not to the state. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yes, indeed. I mean, what we're seeing in the America at the moment, we've got some trials ongoing. Uh, the Charlottesville trial. This is a civil action being brought against people that the left do not like in an attempt to bankrupt them. Um, and uh, we know that all the violence that certainly I witnessed was from the left who were trying to disrupt a protest which they had a permit for. Uh, but you don't see these people who were doing all sorts of revolting things, throwing urine at them. And I have a personal friend, Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson, who was sprayed in the face with bear mace and he thought he was permanently blinded and it took him several days to recover. Uh, no, uh, nothing was done to the people who did that to him. Uh, and we can see that it's an absolute witch hunt against people whose political opinions the powers that should not be do not like. And then we also have the Carl Rittenhouse trial, which again should not even be taking place. It was very clear that this guy was defending himself against some violent thugs. But of course, they don't like Carl Rittenhouse's politics. And I've even heard a story already that uh, the left have been sending um, people into that trial uh, and they've put out a statement, or someone has, I heard it on a show, um, so the, I'm only repeating what I've heard, that um, a statement's been made that if the trial, uh, if, if Carl Rittenhouse doesn't get convicted, then they've got all the details, the pictures of the jury, and uh, they'll pay the consequences. And, you know, I remember jury tampering, something like that, that was what you used to hear about with the Mafia. And that was a very serious crime. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, for example, the, the famous, famous union leader, I think he got about eight, ten years in prison for, for tampering with a jury. You know, but now you have a situation where you know, if someone who puts something like that out, they should be arrested straight away you know, for threatening a jury and threatening the, the, the justice system. But there is no justice anymore. Uh, and, and this is where we are. The, the powers that should not be are evil. We know that they are satanic. And so, of course, they're going to do evil now that they've got the power. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So the resistance, this is a different message. Uh, you can go back to last year's show uh, in Peter's archive. The link to is in the post for this show. And we did a November 11th Remembrance Day show last year. And you can have a listen to that. But the message this year is very different because it refers to the war going on against us today the people who stand up for Christ, who stand up for faith and freedom, uh, rather than the people we've honoured in the past. And the other thing that I would put in there is something that I was guilty of when I found out the truth. And you look at people and you say, well, you know, these people fought in the First World War and the Second World War and they were on the wrong side and all that. Well, these people didn't know. You know, you're talking about ancestors. They didn't have the um, information that we have today. And so these people went to war thinking they were doing the right thing. They didn't go there thinking they were doing the wrong thing. Um, mm. and, and, and that's something that we have to be careful not to fall into that trap because obviously we've just done a nine-part series on the bad war. We know the history there. And I've got, I've got an uncle who fought for the Allies in the Second World War. But if he'd have known that he was fighting for the wrong side, he wouldn't have done it. But he was lied to, as many of our ancestors of, of the people listening would have known too. So, Peter, back to you. 
Yes, I think it's, there's a lot of exciting resistance out there. Uh, do you know, for example, uh, in Romania, the vast majority of the population said no to the Fauci Auchi, less than 10% of the adult population chose to get it. So Romania then sold millions of their vaccines to the Netherlands, uh, who needed more. Uh, but Romania, uh, all the people behind the Iron Curtain have generally been the most um, resistant to getting the vaccines, and uh, as, as low as something like 8% in Romania, for example. We see how there's been a whole lot of marches uh, for life, for example, uh, and there's been uh, some major groups making stands. And uh, there's a huge amount of nurses saying no to the vaccine mandates. And New York's Lewis County General Hospital had to uh, pause delivering babies when 30 employees, nursing staff, quit in protest of the vaccine mandate. And uh, then a New York judge had to temporarily block the state from forcing medical workers to be vaccinated when 17 medical professionals sued the state for disregarding religious exemptions. And there's a lot of first responders, firefighters and policemen across America saying no to the vaccine. Uh, so first responders in Oregon are suing the state and the governor for imposing vaccine mandates. Over 90 Washington state employees, healthcare workers, firefighters, patrol workers are suing the governor, Jay Inslin's vaccine mandate for state workers. The Washington Post said that 3,000 policemen in Los Angeles, that's a quarter of the police force there, are seeking to avoid the vaccination. 65% of the police in San Diego say they would rather lose their job than take the Fauci Archie COVID vaccine jab. Uh, in New York City, thousands protested against the Department of Education's mandate for employees. And the biggest crowd they've seen yet, and it's happening all over the nation, thousands gathering in Central Park, Manhattan to oppose Mayor Bill de Blasio's vaccine mandates and passports. 20,000 Australians shot down the, the Melbourne Highway in Victoria State in Australia in a massive lockdown protest. The truck drivers were told you've got to get vaccinated and they refused to and 20,000 of them uh, blocked the highways until they were pleaded to leave and that they would no longer be required to get the vaccine. 2,800 Australian church leaders signed the Ezekiel Declaration, articulating a thoughtful biblical case against vaccine passports. That's the Ezekiel Declaration from Australia. 2,800 church leaders, that's pretty impressive resistance. In Portland University, a professor, Peter Bogazane, who teaches philosophy, uh, for over a decade he's taught philosophy there. He said students at Portland State are not being trained to think, rather being trained to mimic the moral certitudes of ideologues. And uh, he quit his university position over the indoctrination they were trying to force him to do. And there's a huge amount of resistance on so many levels. So Children's Health Defense gained a historic win against the FCC over their safety guidelines for 5G and wireless. And uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals um, uh, said that, in fact, the Federal Communications Commission had failed to provide a reasoned explanation for its determination um, uh, to go ahead despite uh, arguments against the harmful effects of exposure for radio frequency radiation. Two active duty American uh, service members have filed a lawsuit against the Department of Defense and the uh, Federal Drug Administration, uh, HSS, on behalf of 220,000 military members in America who have natural immunity because they've had COVID recovered like we have but are still being forced to be vaccinated, which is not only unnecessary, but it's dangerous. It's unscientific. A very brave 
uh, flight surgeon, uh, Brigade Surgeon Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, has filed an affidavit explaining how numerous pilots have been injured after receiving the vaccine and urging the Pentagon to ground all pilots who took the COVID-19 vaccine, that it's an extreme danger. You can imagine at the, at the high pressure and speeds needed for jet fighter pilots up there, if they've had this clot shot, uh, the danger of them blacking out, um, crashing, and not just killing themselves and destroying the machinery they're flying, but you know this could crash into civilian centers and, and kill many more people too. It's extremely dangerous, forcing these pilots uh, on which Western defense depends. And one can't rule out the possibility that powers that should not be are pushing this clot shot, uh, Fauci, Fauci vaccination nonsense, particularly to undermine Western security for purposes that could serve the cause of the Communist Party of China. And in Rome, over 3,000 doctors and scientists signed a declaration accusing COVID policymakers of crimes against humanity. 3,000 doctors and scientists in Rome. How many people have heard this reported on in the mainstream media <laughs> or the lamestream media? And Grace Community Church of John MacArthur uh, won an $800,000 um, settlement um, after the legal bets against the state of California who tried to shut down their church and uh, they won the, the case thanks to the Thomas More Legal Society who defended their case. And the Attorney General in Arizona, uh, Mark Brnovich, has warned the city of Tucson that their mandate violates state law and threatens that they'll lose millions of dollars in state funding and force the city people to back off trying to force state workers in Tucson to have the vaccination. Montana has become the first state in America to ban companies from mandating COVID vaccines to their employees. And governors and attorney generals in at least 27 states in America are opposing vaccine mandates. So, you know, when people give the impression that um, everyone is acquiescing, it's wrong. Uh, for example, uh, the CEO of Gab has uh, already uh, has reported that 44,000 members um, uh, have joined this no-vax job board. And so Gabby says, we don't require employees to be vaccinated. We know there are many businesses who share these values, many people looking for work from those businesses. So they've, they've got a, a membership of people who want to work for companies that are having a no-vax policy or companies that want employees who agree to the no-vax. And they've already got 44,000 members just like that. Uh, just blew up overnight. The uh, Children's Health Defense is suing the FDA. Two senior FDA leaders have stepped down uh, and um, uh, over their strong opposition to Biden's call for booster shots. And uh, along with 16 other experts, they recently published a review saying there's no evidence that the population needs any booster shots. There's sheriffs refusing to enforce these uh, vaccine mandates. Californian uh, sheriffs have said, uh, concerning Governor Newsom's vaccine mandate, the government has no ability and no authority to mandate your health choices. As your sheriff, I have an obligation to guard your liberty and your freedom. There's an entire college basketball team who stood up to vaccine mandates. And uh, according to LifeSite News, the University of Cincinnati's Claremont men's basketball team said they won't play this year to protest the university-wide COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And so there's, there's players like the National um, Basketball Association are refusing to receive the jab and therefore not being able to play. And there's thousands of people in Switzerland, um, something like 
10 to 15,000 people gathered at the capital in Switzerland to protest COVID passports. And they say in, in Switzerland, it's very, very hard to get people to protest anything. Um, so that really means a lot. And in Istanbul, Turkey, 3,000 gathered to protest COVID-19 restrictions and 80,000 people gathered in France uh, for the 10th week in a row to protest against vaccine mandates. Is protest all over the world. Uh, so make no mistake, when people are saying that you've got to get the vaccine shot, in South Africa, we have less than a quarter of our adult population have actually had the vaccination. When you look at it statistically, less than 10% of the total population of South Africa have succumbed to the vaccine, even according to the state's own stats. And yet they're trying to make out that those of us who don't want the vaccine or some kind of weird, fringe, fanatical, extreme movement, and, you know, they give the impression that everybody's had the vaccination, just you. Well, it turns out when you look at the stats, at not even 10% of the total population of South Africa, and according to government, quarter of the adult population, however they've defined that, have had it. Therefore, the majority don't want it because at this stage, anyone who wants the shot has, has had it because it's omnipresent. It's been pushed everywhere, endlessly demanding. I think the huge amounts of resistance, including Southwestern Airlines, where the uh, company mandated that everyone's got to get the vaccine. And so thousands of pilots and other staff uh, just took their sick leave early because they thought, well, if we're going to get fired in November, uh, we'll take a sick leave in October. And uh, the, the Southwestern Airlines had to cancel 3,000 flights in one week uh, until the CEO said uh, no vaccine mandates required. Nobody will get fired for take, not taking the vaccine. And United and American Airlines have also had to cancel thousands of flights after they announced vaccination mandates and a whole lot of their staff just stayed away from work uh, in protest. So we should all be encouraged. There is resistance growing. I do not believe that the other side can sustain this. I believe they've overstepped their hand. I think they've overplayed their hand. We can see that they're not for freedom at all. They're anti-freedom. Uh, they are seeking to destroy what centuries of Christian civilization has built up. So let's continue to resist, Andrew, and encourage all of our listeners uh, to be part of the resistance, to say no to the new world disorder and no to the powers that should not be. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And I think at this point it's worth reading out this article from RT for your comments. This came out on the 9th of November, a couple of days ago. Um, headline. Pfizer CEO calls people spreading vaccine misinformation criminals. So it's quite a brief article, so I'll read it all out for you here, folks. <laughs> Pfizer CEO Albert Baller, now he's the guy who lit the Hanukkah candles for the uh, embassy, Israeli embassy in Washington last year. Pfizer CEO Albert Baller has blamed people spreading misinformation on COVID-19 vaccines for the loss of millions of lives and declared that things can only go back to normal once they take the jab. Speaking to the NATO-backed Atlantic Council think tank on Tuesday, Baller said that a very small group of people are spreading misinformation on COVID-19 vaccines, his company's own shots included. These people are criminals, he told Atlantic Council CEO Frederick Kempe. Just scrolling down to the next paragraph. Because, so Baller's words echo those of US President Joe Biden, who during the summer accused social media platforms of killing people by offering a platform to vaccine sceptics and opponents. Though Biden w later walked his comments back, he still insisted that bad information was supposedly responsible for the deaths. 
While studies have shown the efficacy of Pfizer's vaccine to wane with time, and although the vaccinated can still catch and become sick from COVID-19 regardless, Buller insisted that mass vaccination will result in daily life going back to normal. The only thing that stands between the new way of life and the current way of life is, frankly, hesitancy to vaccinations, he told Kempe. At the same time, <laughs> should any side effect, cases of side effects of Pfizer's vaccine emerge, the developer will not be held criminally accountable. Pharmaceutical companies are shielded from liability in the event of vaccine-induced injuries or deaths in the US, UK, EU and multiple other jurisdictions. Both the World Health Organization, WHO, and America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, have declared Pfizer's vaccine safe and effective. And uh, I've sorted the comments out. The top one, which has got uh, 57 upvotes out of 929 comments, AOC Lies has written, the only criminals are the criminals producing and pushing the vaccine. Peter, your thoughts? Oh, Indeed, the reality is the exact inverse of what these corrupt criminals are declaring. Uh, in fact, I've got before me right here the vaccine death report written by uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and David John Sorensen. Uh, these are Swedish doctors who have produced this vaccine death report. And they say they, and they document evidence of millions of deaths, not from COVID, but from the vaccine injections from the experimental DNA altering injections that they're calling a vaccine. And uh, they point out that millions have already died from the COVID injections and shows how many of these have been covered by blaming it on COVID. For example, if you have a vaccination and you die two days later, they say you're unvaccinated because you only vaccinate once you have the second dose. If you die a week or two after getting your second dose, they still put your death as unvaccinated because it hasn't had enough time to take effect, they say. In Israel, you can have the third and fourth shot and die, and they still call you unvaccinated because uh, you must get the fifth booster shot now. And so the massaging and manipulating of statistics, the lying, the distortion, the propaganda is staggering. And they show that hundreds of millions of people worldwide have already been injured by the vaccinations. And they are quoting from some fascinating sources, including the government's own Bayer's uh, adverse reactions to uh, inoculations uh, reports. And they're showing that actually this is a worldwide conspiracy. And this could be one of the uh, greatest acts of crime and um, deception in history. And that this can also lead to one of the greatest awakenings of all time if we rise up and share truth and unify against these criminals who are pushing the vaccination. Um, there I'm just quoting from the vaccine death report uh, book. But but yes, now honestly, um, what is going on is totally unacceptable when you think that the people producing and pushing the vaccinations have no liability, zero risk, and the people take the vaccines take 100% of the risk. And how can anyone dare to push on us a product against our better judgment or where they're not willing to take liability for it? So I think we can see who's doing the lying here and who has a nefarious agenda. Back to you, Andrew. Yes, absolutely, Peter. And I'd like to throw something in here. I'm going to go back to this article because it's what he's saying. Now, um, I didn't. I picked this up on Robert Rayvolt's show a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer. I meant to mention it and now I've finally remembered. You've heard of Moderna, one of the um, 
top uh, manufacturers of the vaccine. Robert said it's not actually Moderna, it's Mode RNA, okay? And they're the company that said that their vaccine is actually an operating system. And now if we go back to this RT article, what Burla said, of course these fires are not Moderna, but it's again um, uh, an RNA vaccine, some say um, DNA altering. He said, the only thing that stands between the new way of life and the current way of life is frankly hesitancy to vaccination. So what is the new way of life? Is it because they had need to get this into you so they can control you? As Moderna seems to indicate by saying it's an operating system, well, that would be a new way of life. But the only way they can do that is if they get it into your bodies. So now think about that, and I'll read what he said again. The only thing that stands between the new way of life and the current way of life is, frankly, hesitancy to vaccinations. Maybe he's being quite honest there. That's the way I see it, and, and I'm increasingly looking at um, the... the, the the push to get this into everybody regardless of all these injuries and deaths that, that, that it's causing and the fact these are being covered up is it seems to me like a decision has been made at the very very top that we need we've got the technology now to control humanity and there are people that talk about how this could link in with 5g and all sorts of different things i've told you my own experience not with 5g but with a a router that had that um uh five gigahertz which is different to 5g i know it sounds the same but when it comes from a router i was running on 2.4 i got a new one and it ran on five and i was getting pains in the back of my head when it was on and i've never experienced anything like that i went in you had to go online and you could log in and you could change it and i changed it to 2.4 what the previous one was on went away and i was even getting them when i was in the other room with the doors closed okay so i have had a problem with these radio waves these wi-fi frequencies so i can tell you that there are problems there but it, it, it it's astonishing to me and they, they're, they're so upfront about it and their mm. attitude is we control all the media we control the politicians we control everything so now we just throw this stuff into people and we just cover up any information about it that doesn't suit our agenda and that's exactly what they're doing but it is encouraging that he's having to use this yeah, almost losing his temper, calling people who don't want the vaccine. Or he, he says, let's get it. He says spreading misinformation. Well, he, he says what I say would be misinformation, that I say the vaccines are dangerous because I report the government figures on the amount of people that die and are injured every week on the Lyme show on Monday. We're up to over 1,700 dead in the UK only, which is a country of only 67 million people and over 380,000 people injured. So that these uh, people would regard as mis misinformation when it's, uh, you know, the only misinformation I think on there is probably it's completely underestimated because we've heard certainly that the VAERS figures are supposed to be only 1% of the data and it's extremely difficult for someone to file a report of a bad vaccination because they have to jump through all these hoops because they don't want the reports coming in because then it would go against their agenda. So just uh, that to chew on there, uh, Peter, back to you for your thoughts. Yes, and of course the term COVID hesitancy is such an uh, a, um, inaccurate and ridiculous term because uh, you and I, we're not hesitant at all. We're completely against it. There's no COVID hesitancy. We're, the vast majority of us who are refusing the, the jab, we're not hesitant. Hesitancy suggests that you, you're pausing on the diving board. You're going to jump into the pool, but you, you're just 
hesitating. Um, just like the first time I did uh, my first parachute jump, I stood in the doorway and I hesitated, which you're not meant to do. Um, and I got a boot in the back for that and went uh, spiraling out the aircraft. And so <laughs> hesitancy suggests you're going to get it, but you're just hesitating and delaying. But we are resistors. We, we're not hesitant. Uh, we are resisting. We are protesting. We are refusing. Uh, but uh, they used to use the word uh, for people like Alexander Solzhenitsyn in Russia as refuseniks. Um, dissidents and refuseniks. I mean, that's a communist concept because you're refusing or you are dissenting. And that's more accurate, actually, even though it's a communist-inspired uh, term, uh, to be a refusenik uh, than to be or a dissident or a counter-revolutionary or reactionary. Um, but hesitancy, what a lot of nonsense. There is no hesitancy at all. Anyone who wants the vaccination has already got it. And many people who uh, have got it did so against a better judgment because of peer pressure and work pressure and pressure for travel and many other reasons that they got persuaded against their better judgment to get it. But those of us who are refusing by now, we seriously, after all these months of propaganda and pressure and peer pressure and, and temptation and bribery and threats and all the rest of it, anyone who's resisting now is by no means hesitant. This, this is a, a deliberate position. We dig in our heels for good reason. And the best way to persuade us that it's safe and effective is not by criminalizing, threatening, insulting uh, those who have legitimate concerns and objections concerning uh, companies that use experimental technology, who have criminal backgrounds, uh, who have been, uh, in fact, serial felons. Uh, if you just think of Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, they've had to pay something in the region of $36 billion in the United States alone, uh, admission of guilt fines for very serious crimes um, uh, in, involved in the pharmaceuticals. Not, of course, vaccines. They've got liability from, they've got complete indemnity from liability for vaccines. So there's just other pharmaceutical products they're involved in. They are serial felons. Why would you expect repeat serial felons on that level? Criminals. Uh, to suddenly be trustworthy when you give them complete carte blanche and uh, indemnity from liability. So, yes, um, <laughs> let's let's call it what it is. Um, uh, we are not hesitant. We're resisting. And it's not really inoculation. It's a medical procedure. Quite right. And this is all about controlling us. It must be about controlling us. The, the pandemic scare was to get people ready to lock down. The lockdown was to get people ready to wear the mask. The masks were to prepare people for the inoculation. And so nobody would have considered if they said, we want everyone to get this inoculation. We would have said, no. Um, but by preparing the way with this unprecedented panic-mongering pandemic, scamdemic, plandemic, they were able to convince people to lock down. And then to get you out of lockdown, they said, well, if you wear a mask. And by that stage, after a few weeks in lockdown, people, well, anything to just be let out of lockdown. And now people are getting sick and tired of this stupid, mindless masquerade. And uh, long after all of the uh, evidence has come out that it's not necessary, not helpful, in fact, there's a greater health risk than, than uh, uh, not wearing one, and so on. So that right now, uh, where, where we are here is they have, they've been moving everything from pandemic, scamdemic, fear to lockdown, to masks, to now vaccinations. If you want to get back to normal, you've got to take the vaccine. But the vaccine, as you say, is not a get back to normal. Once you've got the vaccine, you can still get COVID. You can still spread COVID. You still must wear your mask. You must still socially distance. And you're still going to need to get tested. 
<laughs> we thought that this was all to get us out of that. Um, they were presenting the vaccination as the cure-all to everything, salvation by vaccination. Well, now uh, you can see this was the whole goal. This is the communist dialectic, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. They create the problem, they propose the solution, and they move you along to the position where they get you where they want to go in the first place. So uh, the whole goal always was the vaccination. What is so important about this vaccination? Well, it must be some kind of control mechanism, not just an obedience test, uh, but more than that. Uh, it, it could easily be something that's sterilizing the people. It might also be putting in some kind of chip that you can be followed. They might have also harvested DNA. They've certainly, we know that they've inserted something that is DNA altering. And therefore that turns people into what some have described as genetically modified humans. So we are really talking about artificial intelligence, AI. And now are we talking about um, transhumanism, where a person is is transformed, and apparently the DNA-altering mechanisms within uh, these so-called vaccines can get us to a point where we can be not just tracked and monitored, but perhaps even have our thought processes and our reactions altered. And there are those who are saying there's a direct link between the 5G and these um, uh, vaccinations. So all of this is extremely ominous, and bearing in mind that it originated from the biological warfare laboratory of the People's Liberation Army of China, Red China, Communist Party of China. What we are dealing with is something that is potentially genocidal. It certainly probably has a major amount of sterilization involved, and it could easily be turning a person to a transhuman, a genetically modified human, where they can be not only tracked, but even have their thinking processes altered. Now, all this is conjecture. It's still early days. Uh, but we've had whistleblowers from within these companies, others come forward, and there is a mountain of evidence that what is coming in these vaccinations is bad and dangerous. And we're not just talking about the people who've had adverse reactions, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, people who've died from it. There's been a lot of negatives. But as you said, it looks like the primary thing here is control, control of people by doubtless altering, altering us into what they now talk is talk about as transhumanism back to you andrew thank you peter and um i'll just come up with a term um that is definitely been said by other people before but um if you remember earlier in the week folks i mentioned i've been calling us the alternative media i never liked that term and um i've changed it to the independent media that's not my idea that was steve elkins on rpn and um it was so obvious i don't know why i never thought of it myself but sometimes things that are so obvious don't come to you and i've never been happy with the term vaccine a lot of people say that they refuse to use it for you know because it's not a vaccine it's doing something else to us um and uh for example uh, Maleficus scott he refers to it as a jab and that's an acronym for just acquiescing blindly but I actually thought, and I'm sure this has been used but it's uh, by other people, to call it the fake vaccine because there's a, it's catchy because you've got fake news, you know, things like that. But it, And I'll tell you, I can, I can honestly prove to you, I've said to people before with, with, you know, the vaccine, I can only tell you what it's done so far um, with the deaths and the injuries. And we can speculate on what it could do to people in the medium and long term. There are doctors out there that, predict a worst case scenario as we know people dying within three years different things like that um but i've met a lot of people who've had all uh, the vaccine and the booster and folks you know i would not go near it at all um and they're okay they've not 
had any real problems. Um, but the idea of calling it a fake vaccine is, I can say that with absolutely definitely, because it's not a vaccine, because you can still get the illness and you can still pass the illness on, and they admit that. So it's a fake yes. vaccine. So they're the ones calling it a, a vaccine. A vaccine's supposed to protect you from getting or transmitting something. Well, this isn't, so it's a fake vaccine. What are your thoughts on that, Peter? Oh, I think that's excellent. You're on target. We've got uh, everything fake from fake history, fake news, fake governments, fake physicians. Uh, so fake pandemics, fake vaccines make sense. I mean, it all fits in. The whole thing is the lie. And considering how Jesus spoke about they are liars from the beginning, they, they are the children of the devil who is a liar from the beginning. And you think of all the warnings in the Bible about do not be deceived and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're living in an age of deception. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said so well, the lie has become the pillar of the state. And he said the most courageous act that any person can make is to refuse to take part in a lie. And he said, you may not have much power. Maybe the lie will prosper. Maybe it'll triumph. But not through me. I am not going to be part of the lie. I will not advance the lie. And so that's what Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote back in the a heyday of the Cold War, when Russia was still under communism and when the Iron Curtain was up, the lie is the pillar of the state. That's no longer just true for communism and the Soviet Union. The lie is the pillar of the state is true for the United States of America and the United Kingdom and South Africa and Australia and Canada. We can see that the lie is now predominant and it includes the lie that there is no God and the situation ethics and evolutionism and once upon time there was nothing and then there was something and that something became everything and a whole lot of time and a whole lot of nothing became everything and there was nothing and that suddenly exploded and became everything and produced self-replicating dinosaurs and so on. And we meant to believe all these lies. We meant to believe there's no God. You came from nothing. You're going nowhere. Life is meaningless. Uh, the state determines what's right and wrong or as the New Zealand Prime Minister says, just trust us, trust the government, we're the Ministry of Truth, we'll tell you what you can believe and not believe, what you can take and what you can't take, just take it from uh, uh, nz.gov, you know, we, we are the, the whole arbitrators of truth, to use her terms, so yes, we, we're dealing in a time of lies, and it's good for us to call out the lies, and it does include the fact that this is not even a vaccine, and the only reason they're calling it a vaccine and trying to change the definition of a vaccine is because vaccines have been given indemnity from liability and prosecution. <laughs> and therefore, they must call the vaccine if they're to be indemnified against the horrific consequences that are not only potentially coming in the future, but which are already coming now. This is early days, and yet we already have such horrific reports of this vaccine. There is no reason to go ahead with why would you need to get vaccinated for something that you've got a 99% chance of surviving from anyway? And why would people who've recovered from the vaccine and have natural antibodies like myself need to get the vaccine? And what's the purpose of all this? Well, you can see this is not about health. This isn't even about a vaccine. As he said, it's all about the lie. It's a fake vaccine uh, from a fake government and fake medical fraternity. What we're dealing with is fakeness on so many levels. And on this show, we so often deal with fake history and fake news. Well, right now we need to tackle uh, fake medical narratives and fake medical vaccines. So quite right. I like that. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, some of the biblical verses Peter quoted there were from the book of John, chapter 8. And for those of you out there that, um, you know, 
aren't interested in the Bible or what have you, I just ask you this. It's 59 verses, and I've got a copy of normal, normal book size here, um, Holy Bible, um, King James, and it's less than two pages, folks. And uh, I've got the version with the words of Jesus Christ in red. So just have a look at it. Just read it. It won't take you long. You don't have to buy it. You could go online. Just type in the book of John, <coughs> chapter 8, KJV, into a search engine, and it should take you to... There's a lot of um, you know, online Bibles that you can read for free. Just read it and see what you think of it. The book of John, chapter 8. That's less than two pages, folks, in a, in a regular book. Have a look at that, and uh, yeah... So, Peter, we are almost out of time, but before we go, anything else you'd like to say, and then please give the audience the details of where they can find your work and how they can contact you. Yes, you can tell you're dealing with a lie when they have to incentivize with monetary bribes to keep their sham statistics up. So, for example, do you know that in the spring of 2020, Medicare in America paid hospitals in America $13,000 for every COVID-19 admission? and $39,000 for every patient that they put on a ventilator. What they've done is they've incentivized uh, the disease. And this is why we've got such inflated over-reporting of the COVID cases, uh, because, you know, if you're going to get a lot of money for, for something, you know, even if this person came in as a, a motorbike accident, next thing they, they are put down as a COVID death and so on. Uh, in South Africa, we've got hospitals getting money direct from the Bill and Melinda Gates for everybody inoculate. There's a certain amount of dollars that they get. And so they've incentivized and monetized the lie. And that should always get us concerned. Well, we're going to next week uh, uh, go further in, in things. We've got the vaccine death report and, and the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation's funding of uh, medical fraternities and particularly promoting uh, their whole vaccine mandate. Therefore, what you've got is, is medical fraternities being prostituted into promoting vaccines by Big Pharma, who's pumping hundreds of millions of dollars, in fact, billions of dollars, into these universities in order to change the curriculums and to ensure the advancing of their, their um, COVID cult vaccination salvation agenda. Uh, if people are interested in learning more about our work, uh, my email is peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za, and our website is mission, uh, frontlinemissionsa.org. Um, so it's frontlinemissionsa, SA short for South Africa, frontlinemissionsa.org. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. Fantastic information. As always, you're an absolute asset to this show. So, folks, I want to thank Peter, as I said, so much for joining me today. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I want to thank all of you listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll be back with you tomorrow. And until then, folks, bye for now.